0: hit uh, connect there and oh that was done in a blink uh thanks to fiber internet we're uh blinked right on there let me uh let's see record on this computer recording
1: in progress
0: and let's do the live on the youtubes so let me copy and paste because that's what we do oh no 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 backwards Okay, I can hear you on the stream. Goody. Okay, so let's copy the right thing here, and let's choose Matinee Minutia. If it stops blinking around here. Oh, I'm touching another sensor. (laughs) Okay, and go live. When we hear ourselves echoing, we will be on the interwebs there, on the YouTubes, and... If you can hear the sound of my voice in the chat room, please do let us know. And I'm waiting on the interwebs there on the... Okay, thanks to Fiber Internet, we are already on the YouTubes. Let us know if you can hear... Let us know if you can hear us. Okay. So we got a couple of folks already in the room. Do we want to give it two minutes, or do we just want to go for the gusto? uh
1: let's give it a let's give it one minute more. okay. and let me make sure I've got all my
0: places and I actually remembered to record yay. Oh, it comes up with a message saying it's being live streamed. Well, <laughs> thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: oh, let's see. It's a Friday evening. It's January twentieth. That's the third Friday of the month. And no, you 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 didn't. Uh, you know, have a old Rip Van Winkle going on there. We actually took a little break, but now we're back, and we're just giving it a moment.
1: Tommy says he can hear us.
0: Excellent. We'll take one more minute, and right after the second minute, after the hour, we'll just uh, get things underway. So bum da, da 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 dum bum bum,
1: my version of a Jeopardy theme. And tell the folks on YouTube what's behind you there.
0: Oh yes, yeah. so uh, for those of you out there in. Uh, The Land of Imagination, otherwise known as YouTube. I am uh, sitting right in the midst of all the caffeine and conversation at Luke's Diner. So take a peek, see, over at our YouTube. You can go to matineemanusha.com and click on the YouTube icon and see our video in progress. So, with that being said, we'll get things underway. Good evening and welcome to the beautiful historical Marionette Theater. The new year has arrived, it's no longer the holidays, and people are seeking out comfort during the season without a break. Boy, does this topic feature a lot of comforts. Oh, please, take your seats. The show is about to begin well good evening mr smelly how are you did you did you make it through the new year okay with your wits intact
1: pretty much everything came out great in the wash (laughs) no it was great had a good new year's Uh, i've been having a nice break from work so i've been uh I've I've been in seventh heaven for the last couple, three weeks.
0: Mm, And, you know, for those of you who um, may be curious, over there on Instagram, look for me, DJ Starsage, and you might actually see some of Mr. Smelly's uh, hidden talents and uh, kind of like tonight's topic. I, I felt like. I was at a a retreat, a little bed and breakfast, because, uh, well, hubby and I, we had brunch made for us that day. Oh, yeah. And it was scrumdiddlyumptious. Just take a peek over there on Instagram. And uh, we rang in the new year, and we lived to talk about it, and... And the new year happens to be your birthday. It it does. Now, I'm not quite my mid-decade. I'm preparing for that around the bend. Ah. <laughs> Hobby will be there a couple of steps ahead of me. Uh, but we'll see uh, what we have underway for that Uh Mama Billy has already made idle threats and has shown some of the party favors that she's stocked up on. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, she just better not hold on to any of the leftovers for mine, is all I'll say. Ah. Uh, but, um, you know, we didn't have much of that wintry weather during the holidays, and it seems like it's it's getting a late start. I actually had some uh, sleet and some flurries here uh, in uh, not-quite-apple-country before I headed out to the theater. How about you, Toppy? Was Has it hit Pickle Hollow yet?
1: Well, not really. I mean, it snowed. It, winter really hasn't hit yet. Not really.
0: Yeah, uh, we, we regret that here in the Northeast, because uh, as they say, the longer it takes to get here, the longer it's going to take... Uh, for it to leave. It's like that uh, unwelcome house guest that
1: stays beyond their welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope that's not true. We're, we're going to get socked. On mm. it, any day now I, I, but it had, just hasn't happened yet
0: maybe it will be nice and wait until um we're headed south because in a in just over a couple of weeks we'll be going on our somewhat annual road trip our sci-fi extravaganza there in the north baltimore's far point. i'm excited aren't you
1: Oh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a great getaway.
0: I hear I have it on good authority that uh, resident Maryland uh, entertainer extraordinaire Demanda Martini and uh, past guest of the show has a few new looks. She's going to be debuting that weekend, uh, including Nurse Chapel and Tasha Yar. Yeah, Um, that's what I
1: hear. I've, I've 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 heard her tweet that. Yeah.
0: So I'm looking forward to that, and uh, certainly if you're in the uh, the Mid-Atlantic area, there, check out Farpoint. It's a long-running fan convention. Uh, one of the guests this year is Mr. Wilson Cruz, who's the uh, Hottie McHodderson doctor on Star Trek ah. Discovery. Go to FarpointCon.com. So. Speaking of uh, women of mystery, I do hear that uh, our senior showgirl managed to, uh, you know, uh, drag herself in tonight. And it, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, she had her book bag full again. It must be the
1: internet's out at her place. I, I think so. Uh, uh, Gertie? Yeah. Hey, hey look. <laughs> you know, I, I just thought... We 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 do a show. We do a show tonight. Uh I've had copies of it. And I'm out of breath, see? <laughs> yeah. And um uh I think we're gonna make it Gilmore Girls. What do you think?
0: Oh, well alrighty. Um hey ba- how about you get down there under the stage and do that little special thing you do and tell us all about it.
1: All right. I'm heading down. Okay. Thank you, Gertie. Okay,
0: here we go, folks. Put your hands together for the uh, illustrious talent of Madame Gertie.
1: Well. Get down, bitch, had it made. She was the only child of well-to-do parents, and countless opportunities awaited her. That is, until she became pregnant at only 16. Rejected by her family, Lorelai took her newborn daughter to sleepy little nearby Stars Hollow, where the two would build a life together. Come with us as we meet the townspeople and learn of the life of an aspiring innkeeper with her child prodigy. It's time for Gilmore Girls with Lauren Graham and Alexis Bledel. Take it away, fellas. What do you get when you take a dash to the silver screen? A pinch of golden
0: oldies. And a smidgen of screaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host DJ and Toppy. Hey, you know, Toppy, I was looking at these DVDs in Gertie's book bag here and mm-hmm. um Me too. You know, they these uh this shows seem to have come from a few years back. Um uh, I, I'm not sure, uh, what, what, what do we do about that? We talk about, uh, what, what, what's going
1: on? Well, uh, we talk about, a TV, uh, from, from a while back, I guess, unless you're getting at something else. Well, we talk, about,
0: we talk about what was going on when this show came out.
1: Oh, you mean what was happening? At the time in the world.
0: Okay. Yes, yeah. sir. All righty. So, U.S. history in the year 2000. Now, that was 23 years ago, people. Oh,
1: come <laughs> on. That's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> U.S. history in 2000. America Online, AOL, announced an agreement to purchase Time Warner for $162 billion, with a B. It was That's the largest weird. ever corporate merger at the time. Are you sure it wasn't the other way around? What,
1: didn't Time Warner purchase America Online?
0: No, sir. They owned Time Warner for a fashion. And then, oh. of course, Time Warner said... This AOL things getting old. Let's just sweep them under the carpet. Okay. okay. <laughs> and so also in 2000, Alien, not alien, Elion Gonzalez, was a little boy and uh, attorney general Janet Reno at the time ruled that a child rescued by the Coast Guard must be returned to his father in Cuba. So over there on the other side of that uh, imaginary boundary in the communist world, the little boy had to go back to Papa, even though he fled his country.
1: That was a big news story back then. It went on for weeks until it was finally resolved and Elian had to go back. In 2000,
0: the final, the last, the very last original Peanuts, you know, it's Snoopy and Charlie Brown comic strip. It was published in 2000 following
1: the death of its creator, Charles Schultz. Yeah, that was a sad day, sad day. Um, And uh, God, God bless Charles Schultz. Even at the very end, he doubted that he was of any value to anyone. And in his last interview, a couple days before he died, he expressed his doubt. And I'm just telling you, what a shame that this guy never understood really how wonderful his creation was and never really understood how valued he was because he was Charlie Brown. And he never left the idea that he was a failure in real life what a sad thing but god bless you charles schultz i know you know better now that you're uh up somewhere looking down yeah mm-hmm.
0: also in 2000 the state of vermont the the northeast capital of maple syrup production they passed a law called hb like in henry bravo hb 847 no it wasn't a fragrance a cologne it wasn't even a firearm It was a very important law, which in 2000 legalized civil unions for same-sex couples. And that's Mm -hmm. practically a decade uh, plus before uh, many other states began that journey. Dora the Explorer, a uh, children's animated series that's very popular for its birthday song, premiered on Nick Jr. in 2000 with the episode The Legend of the Big Red Chicken. I don't know. I think Aunt Tappy had something to do with the writing on that. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Hillary Clinton in 2000 was elected to the United States Senate and became the first first lady of the United States to win a public office. Hmm. Also in 2000, Bill Clinton became the first sitting U.S. president to uh, to visit Vietnam. So this was at the end of his second term. He hadn't left office yet, and there was about to be the election for the the incoming president. But before his term was up, he visited Vietnam. And uh, the U.S. retail giant—now, we're talking about uh, legacies here. We talked about AOL and Time Warner before— U.S. retailer giant Montgomery Ward, the king of the catalogs, they announced they were going out of business after 128 years. Whoopsie! And uh, many big names would and follow in their footsteps. Sears would soon follow. Yes, Toppy. Uh, it's uh, it's all well. It's been a couple of decades, but we we still don't know who's famous. From the year 2000, uh, let us know um, who some of the uh,
1: dearly beloved celebrities were we lost. Yeah, well, we'll talk about them. So it's 2000. We lost Walter Matthau at 80 years old. We lost Steve Allen. A lot of people forgotten who he was, but he was a a comic and a talk show host and a man of, of all. He was an early television personality that did everything and uh, he he died that year and at 79 years old and we got actor jason robards who passed away at 78 years old
0: hmm, one of my favorite uh actors to play a father role in films so yeah um, all righty so gilmore girls getting back to gertie's book bag here. I mean, she's got quite a few of them. And, uh, you know, um, these public libraries in these smaller towns like Spud's Flats, they're really a treasure trove because, uh, you know, if you don't have good internet, uh, people drop off lots of gently used things for the public. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, since Gilmore Girls was a TV series, it aired on the WB... It was its own uh, franchise that some local stations bought into. So folks sometimes had a problem finding it because it wasn't ABC, NBC, CBS, or Fox. It was somewhere in between. Anyways, uh, on television, when the Gilmore Girls came out in 2000, their first season on the WB started on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. And uh, it was in the uh, lead-in for the stations series charmed Ooh, that's one of uh, matthew's favorite shoes yes fellow Univaz host matt burlingame who's in the chat room by the way let's uh give a round of applause for one of our regulars you can uh find him over there at Chubb's gone wild well charmed uh was the uh show after Gilmore Girls, so that it was the warm-up act. Now, after Gilmore Girls was renewed for a second season, the show was moved to Tuesdays at 8 p.m. That was the time slot of then Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which, uh, after its early days, transferred over to the new home of Star Trek, Star Trek Voyager, and it was UPN, the United Paramount Network. Whoa yeah that uh, that would go away after all, just like the WB um, and it served as a lead in at that time. So when uh, Gilmore Girls moved to Tuesdays, it became the lead in for Smallville and uh, that of course was the uh, sort of prequel series about uh, the early days of Clark Kent and Superman and the folks of that town uh, became an instant hit and and always beat Gilmore Girls, by the way, in the ratings. <laughs> really? Okay. But it sure did. Um, now, during seasons four and five of Gilmore Girls, Gilmore Girls led into so it was the warm up act for another series called One Tree Hill. And uh, that slowly became a hit. In season six, Gilmore Girls became the warm up act for its uh, sort of spin off sister show. Not really a spin off, but it had one of the. Uh, uh you know uh love interests from the show um Jared Padalecki featured in Supernatural which uh-huh. had many many seasons there's a cult following for that and um That became another hit for the WB and continued on until, believe it or not, 2020. True. So now both Gilmore and uh, Supernatural were led by former Gilmore Girls actors. Also, One Tree Hill starred Chad Michael Murray. And as I mentioned, Jared Padalecki was in Supernatural. So, now that you've got an idea of what was on television back in those days and uh, what the sister shows were of the WB, uh, you know, that they had um, their own mascot, actually. Um, I, I want to say his name was Jeremiah Bullfrog or something like that. Oh, well, the, the, the Warner Brothers Bullfrog that yeah. danced and sang. Uh, something. Yeah, <laughs> something like Come on my baby, come oh, on my
1: honey, <laughs> ragtime gal <laughs> One one of the greatest uh Warner Brothers cartoons ever. That stupid frog singing and then the guy that found him. Wanted to make it a career, but every time he showed the frog, it wouldn't sing. But every time he was alone with the frog, it would sing, and it drove him nuts.
0: <laughs> well, I think the D- WB might have been bought by the French because they, they got rid of the frog. <laughs> right. Uh, Tom, Tommy says uh, his name is Michigan J. Frog. Michigan J. Frog. Okay, so he won some jumping contests in his day. Speaking of someone who won some contests, Toppy, who was the mastermind,
1: the magician behind the Gilmore Girls? Okay, we're talking about the creator and the producer. Her name's Amy Sherman Palladino. She was born in 1966. She's an American television writer, director, producer. And she is the creator of Gilmore Girls, also Bunhead's. And also a show that became very famous and very, uh, a show that garnered her many awards, uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Mazel. And she won six, count them six primetime Emmy Awards for that show, Marvelous Mrs. Mazel, including Outstanding Comedy Series, Outstanding Direction. For a comedy series Outstanding writer Writing for a comedy series And outstanding music supervision All for the marvelous Mrs. Maisel She was uh, Amy Shermer Palladino Was the first woman to win In the comedy, writing, and directing Categories At the primetime Emmy Awards Jesus H. Crisis About Time <laughs> So um, she was born in Los Angeles. Her parents, uh, her father was a comedian, Don Sherman. Her mother was a dancer, Maben Hughes. And uh, Sherman was her father's stage name. She was trained in classical bla- ballet uh, since she was four and, uh, and also studied other forms of dance uh, later in life into her teens. Um, she was a trainee dancer at the time and she received a callback to do the musical Cats, but also having a possible writing position on the staff of Roseanne came up at the same time. And when she and her writing partner, a gal named Jennifer Heath, were asked to join the staff of Roseanne, she decided. That's where she wanted to go into writing. She left behind her dancing career, which didn't please her mother all that too much. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, Amy Sherman Palladino began writing for Roseanne's third season in 1990. So she stayed with that show um, until after the sixth season in 94. Then she worked on some other projects, including... A failed 96 sitcom called Love and Marriage. A 97 sitcom called Over the Top. And she wrote several scripts for the NBC sitcom Veronica's Closet. And then she created and executive produced the Gilmore Girls from 2000 to 2007, working with her husband, Daniel Palladino. And their involvement ended in 2006, one year before the show ended, due to a failed contract negotiating with the CW network. Whilst the show was transitioning there for one last year of production. So they were moving from the WB to the CW network. And that last year of production, they were just plain left out. Not included. They said, bye-bye. And it was just a a botched negotiation. Imagine how she and her husband must have felt having created the damn show and kept it going for all those years to just after the sixth year just left out. They were just edged out and other people did the show for that last year. Mm -hmm. That, That must have been crushing for them. You know, it's it's interesting to note
0: that a lot of TV shows uh, end up running about five or seven years if they're popular, like Star Trek The Next Generation. They decided to call it quits after their seventh season. But um, some of the interviews that have been done with the cast have suggested that when that last season was filmed, after Amy Sherman Palladino had left the show and the WB became the CW, they weren't told the show was canceled. They were just simply between filming seasons and were told, nope, there's not going to be another season. So for those of you who have uh, been a fan of Gilmore Girls and perhaps, uh, you know, uh, held on tight for those storylines, that explains quite a lot because there were some plot lines that got dropped they just uh, left some holes in there, and well, in more recent years, Netflix picked up, and uh, we got ourselves a nice little mini-series to tidy up those loose ends a little while ago. Yeah, and they were involved in that,
1: right? They, did, they were. They, it was, they, they were writing and producing, or?
0: Yes, in fact, it was basically their love letter to the fans. It's the ending that Amy Sherman Palladino had originally wanted. Oh, that's totally cool.
1: That's totally cool. What what did it run on Netflix? Like six episodes? What was it? Something like that?
0: Um, I I think it was actually only four, but Mm -hmm. since it was considered a mini series, they were longer than a regular episode. I believe they might have been at least an hour each. Uh, It was called uh, Gilmore Girls A Year in the Life
1: oh okay all right
0: and um and it also wrapped up other loose ends because of course as we discuss further we learned that uh some of the cast members are no longer with us so yeah um you know we don't often get to do this we're actually a little bit ahead of things here wow so we're going to uh step on over in uso fashion because uh The Daughters of the American Revolution, uh, they like to, uh, you know, get into the spirit of things. And uh, Rory once did a USO show as one of their fundraisers. So uh, over here is um, a little interview that we've dug up with Amy Sherman Palladino for The Hollywood Reporter. And she's talking about the state of comedy in uh, recent days and current events.
2: My show came of age for eight episodes that mm-hmm. I've done so far because I'm we've been on so long. Um, when the when the Weinstein and all that started ha- happening, and so suddenly people were like, "Oh, it takes on new relevance because yeah. I'm like really because women have been getting a yeah. finger up their twat for like 20 years, yeah. And, yeah. 20. Yeah. Long, yeah. longer than that. It's like it's like so so suddenly now, but it is it yeah. is sort of like. Events are going to come and go and come and go, but this stuff is sort of here to stay. And I think that that what is wonderful about streaming and cable is that I think they're more willing to allow a comedy to have a deeper meaning or or back away from the laughs for a few minutes Mm -hmm. and have a real conversation. Yes, we're entertainment and we're, Mm -hmm. you know, look over here and here's Mm -hmm. my tap shoes. Mm -hmm. I get that. But people get very... Personally attached to television, it yeah. means something the to them. Characters live yeah. on and wait. yeah. Especially yeah. on no television, you're in someone's home. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're in yeah. their house. I think comedy's heading into a very dangerous place right yeah. now, and I'm very worried about. There's there's some some weird on that. I am I am not I'm not. So. If we start not being able to do stories mm-hmm. because viewed through the lens of Me Too or this, that you can't suddenly have anyone have an apolitical position or it or, or thinking about the message that it's sending mm-hmm. out there's no comedy comedy but, is yeah. over. And, the worst yeah. Thing, yeah. and the worst
0: thing about what you just no one's seen it like you know that's like, the biggest problem? well there's yeah. the
2: outrage we addiction I think we, we're all sort of into people literally
0: stopped at the word white in my title mm-hmm. and like he's causing a genocide <laughs> for white people which I am
2: yeah. oh <laughs> Roseanne was an anomaly then because Roseanne was my first job and I was new to writing. I didn't really even think I was going to be a writer. I thought I was going to be a dancer (laughs) and pay my rent. That was hilarious. Um, That's the funniest thing I've ever said, ever. But um, So when I got on Roseanne, I didn't realize that she had banned the studio and the network from the show. So it wasn't until I got onto my next show that we had a tap bad table read, and I was gathering up my stuff to go back to my office, and I'm, they're all sitting there, and I'm like, "What the fuck are you sitting here for?" And they're yeah. like, "We have to get notes." I'm like, "From who? We have a lot of work to do." Yeah. And they go, "From the..." And I look, there's a line of people in in the same suit with a pencil oh on page three, and I'm like, "Who are?" Literally, they thought I was from outer space. So, like, the thing about Roseanne is, I don't remember a time where we couldn't do anything that we didn't want to do, mostly because nobody was allowed in the room to tell us we couldn't do it. Right. You yeah. know, maybe there were phone yeah. calls or a memo or mm-hmm. something, but she didn't give a shit. So right. it was. Like it didn't happen. I don't think that when I started, it was like the heyday of like the the seventies when they really could do shit. Because I was at the sort of the very beginning of when the marketing department took over network Mm. television, which is kind of what it is now, and which is why I fled network (laughs) television for uh, the wonderful world of, of Amazon. For me, it's it's less about what you can get away with, and more about the format and the the kind of storytelling that you want to tell. There is nowhere to be but the streaming networks or cable or something like that because they're the only people open to, oh, this is how you want to tell your story, or these are the people that you want to cast, or this.
0: So, as we return from the break here, we have a boatload of talent that came together to
1: create the characters that we saw before us on the screen. Yeah, why don't you tell us about the mama, and uh, played by Lauren Lauren Graham. What What can you tell us about her? All righty. So,
0: Lauren Graham played Lorelai. She was born in Honolulu, Hawaii, to a candy industry lobbyist. Her father was from New York, and her mother was from the American South. She grew up in Northern Virginia, and graduated Barnard College with a degree in English. She's also a graduate of Southern Methodist University with a master's degree in acting and she was raised by a single parent, her father. Her parents divorced when she was five. Growing up she wanted to be a jockey, but her height precluded it. It stood in the way. She's a tall gal. She traveled exclusively with her father during her childhood and discovered acting while in elementary school. Her resume includes theater, film, and television. Some of her early acting roles were in commercials. She did advertisements for Cascade Dishwasher Detergent, also Dimetap, uh, you know, the grape flavored uh, allergy medicine. Uh, she also did commercials for AT&T, Lean Cuisine, and hosted the free preview weekends of the movie channel. In the early days of her acting, she had guest appearances on many shows, including Seinfeld, and would eventually be cast in a mid-to-late 90s uh short-run series on ABC starring Molly Ringwald of all people and uh, it was called Townies and uh, after that she was in a short-lived series called Conrad Bloom which the uh, the main selling point of that was that uh, <laughs> television and theater actress Linda Lavin, who some of you may remember was uh, Alice on the Alice TV show about the diner. Uh, uh, Linda Lavin played uh, the mother on that show, the, uh, the older mother of uh, her male coworker Conrad Bloom. Uh, it was a, basically an office show. And uh, that was just prior to her being cast on Gilmore, which began in 2000. And, uh, of course, as you know, it ran seven seasons. And uh, just a handful of years after Gilmore, uh, she would be cast in the TV series by the CW uh, producer, the later home of Gilmore Girls, who made Roswell, the show about uh, the teenagers who uh, were part alien. Well, this was the vehicle for Craig T. Nelson, Parenthood. Lauren Graham played the 30-something daughter who came home to live with mom and dad, in there, (laughs) not quite empty nest and uh well that series ran for five seasons and and more recently lauren graham has lent her voice to um, animation she has been in disney's vampirina and this is a show that uh tells the story of a young vampire girl and her family after they make the move from Transylvania to Pennsylvania. And this uh, also features the voice of Wanda Sykes, uh, comedian, comic extraordinaire. And lastly, and most recently, Lauren continues to work and Has appeared in the Disney Plus continuation of the Mighty Ducks franchise, a movie series that started uh, with Emilia Estevez about uh, young children playing ice hockey. And this has been developed into a series called Mighty Ducks Game Changers and also stars former spouse of uh, pop music artist Fergie, uh, the husband, Josh Timmel, also uh, previously from NBC's uh, sitcom about a Las Vegas casino called Las Vegas uh, with James Caan in the lead. Uh, But yes, Josh Timmel, Lauren Graham, Mighty Ducks Game Changers on Disney Plus. And that brings us to the present. So who was the the very charming young lady under her roof toppy?
1: Uh, that character was Rory. She was played by actress Alexis Bladell and she was born in Texas. and she made her television debut in. Gilmore Girls in 2000. But that was after spending years in front of the camera as a model. Because when Bladell was eight years old, her parents encouraged her to try community theater in Houston, hoping it would help her daughter overcome her shy ways. And she went on in theater at that young age to do productions of Our Town, The Wizard of Oz. And Aladdin. And uh, while she was in Aladdin, a scout spotted her at a local mall and said, I want you to model. So she got into modeling and she was still modeling while in high school, uh, traveling all over the world uh, Tokyo, Milan, New York, Los Angeles. And after graduating high school, she enrolled in NYU as a film major. In the spring of 2000, Bladell landed a manager. Uh, landed a manager. Oh, she got a manager. Is what they really want to say <laughs> through her modeling agency, and that manager said, "Head on over to L.A.," and she did, and she quickly landed the coveted role of Rory on Gilmore Girls.
0: In continuing
1: on about Alexis Bladell,
0: in 2000. 2003- Five before Gilmore Girls would run its course. She was cast in Sin City and she played a prostitute who was uh, a consummate professional. She carried a gun and uh, she kicked butt. <laughs> and uh, then she also was featured opposite star America Ferreras, who some of you may know from Ugly Betty fame, and uh, she starred as a artist on a journey with her three best friends linked over the summer by a pair of magical jeans in The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, which was based upon a novel by Anne Brochers, And before long there would be a sequel. In in 2009, Alexis would be cast opposite Michael Keaton in a film called Post-Grad, about a college student who returns home after graduation after she's unable to find a job in her career field. And this film also has a wonderful cameo by the ever-famous comic legend. Carol Burnett, who plays her grandmother. And if you haven't seen it, oh, it's absolutely worth it. Uh, the graduation scene is dear grandma toting around a oxygen tank and uh, some junk food. <laughs> and in 2010, Alexis would be cast in the Robert Redford film, The Conspirator starring James McAvoy, who many would know or uh, recognize him for appearing in the prequel X-Men movies where he played Professor Xavier. The Conspirator is about the lawyer who defended Mary Surratt. This is a lady who went down in history as running the establishment, the inn where several of the conspirators plotted the assassination of President Lincoln. Mary Surt was the first woman to be hanged by the federal government. And, of course, in 2017, Alexis would reprise her role of Rory Gilmore in Gilmore Girls' A Year in the Life, a miniseries that... Uh, carried on the storyline and uh, basically was a a love letter to the fans since the creator and writer, director Amy Sherman-Palladino, had left in the end of the sixth season. And more recently, Alexis would appear in Hulu's uh, series, political series, The Handmaid's Tale, which also starred Elizabeth Moss. She was in that role for four seasons playing a character known as Off Glenn or Emily Malick, one of the, the main characters in this political drama about, uh, when things go wrong and religion takes over. And that's been uh, some of Alexis's most recent work, bringing us to present day. And apparently um, when she auditioned for the role, she just recently got out of one of her modeling gigs where she basically caught a cold. They were dousing her with water because it looked cool and there was swimwear involved. And Amy Sherman Palladino... Basically, decided because Alexis was miserable during her uh, audition that uh, she was the one that she wanted because these were not happy young women. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, well, one of the uh, the top stars of this show. Uh, actually, was a sort of a, a last minute switcheroozy. Miss Melissa McCarthy. Now she played the role of Suki, who was Lorelai's best friend on the show. She was the, the cook and later business partner. And uh, Melissa McCarthy got her start on sh- uh, programs like Saturday Night Live. She was born in 1970. And she's an American actress, comedian, producer, writer, and fashion designer, and recipient of numerous accolades and awards. And more recently, um, star of a reality series, uh, she and her cousin actually do uh, remodels for people um, who are good Samaritans. Hmm. So, uh, McCarthy began appearing in television and film in the late 90s and first gained recognition for her role as Suki St. James on Gilmore Girls, a role that was originally intended for Alex Borstein, who some of you may know as the voice of Lois Griffin on Family Guy. Mm, okay. And uh, in uh, yeah, that, uh, Melissa McCarthy played Dina on the ABC sitcom Samantha Who, before Gilmore, and later starred as Molly Flynn on the CBS sitcom Mike and Molly, for which she received the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series in 2011, McCarthy's appearances as host on Saturday Night Live led to a win for the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Actress in a Comedy Series in 2017. McCarthy gained critical acclaim for her performances in the comedy film Bridesmaids in 2011, receiving a nomination for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. She went on to star in several commercially successful comedies, including Identity Thief in 2013, as well as The Heat. And in 2014, Tammy, which and in at least one of those, she starred with Jason Bateman, um, a, uh, you know, an 80s teen heartthrob throb who grew up. Also, uh, she was in 2014 in a film called St. Vincent, which had Bill Murray in it a uh, film in 2015 was spy and uh 2016 she was the lead in a film called The Boss and in 2018 McCarthy received a critical acclaim award for her portrayal of writer Lee Israel in the biographical film Can You Ever Forgive Me earning a nomination for the Academy Award for Best Actress. McCarthy was named by Time as one of the 100 most influential people in the world in 2016, and she's been featured multiple times in annual rankings of the highest paid actresses in the world. In 2020, the New York Times ranked her number 22 in the list of the 25 greatest actors of the 21st century. Now, I will go on to say this, and actually I have to do this on the fly. Um, One of Melissa McCarthy's more recent films is actually A Guilty Pleasure, and it's sort of a a remake, if you will, of a Rodney Dangerfield film, which his version was called Back to School. But in 2018, she was also in a film called Life of the Party, which uh, basically her character decides after a divorce that she's going to go back to school and finish her degree. By the way, it happens to be the same school that her daughter is attending.
1: (laughs) Ah, okay.
0: So uh, that is Melissa McCarthy. And Toppy, we've got a unique opportunity because there's just so many other people that were in this cast, and you know, we could even talk about uh, some of our favorite moments and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, do do you know some of the other folks that are in this show?
1: Well, I do love um, the actor portrayed uh, the grandfather uh, of. Of uh, Lorelai, and that was this guy you've seen in a million things, and his name's Edward Herman. And um, he gets an unusual credit uh, in in the episodes. It's something like, and uh, a special appearance by,
2: mm-hmm. so
1: he gets one of those credits by Edward Herman.
2: Mm-hmm
1: and uh, i think at some point sally struthers started appearing in the cast mm-hmm. but there's many other this cast had a full uh a full range of supporting actors playing different parts uh what were some of the others gee
0: oh gee well um
1: let me go back here to this uh, there, there was the guy that played like not the receptionist but like the 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 the, the guy at the hotel that Signed you in, or whatever, and he was pretty sassy.
0: Oh, yeah. The well, the yeah, the actor who played um their Frenchie, Mr. Um Michel, <laughs> yeah, his his uh, real name is Yannick Truesdale. And to hear him speak without the accent is very surreal because, um, ironically, he actually uh, had a French speaking upbringing and he had to fight to get rid of the accent but it all came back when he got cast as Michel, and um he's quite the character to behold but you know um taking off the conversation on Edward Herman that you were just speaking of Toppy um This was a rather unique pairing for the grandparents because unlike the other members of the cast, both Edward Herman and Kelly Bishop, who played Emily Gilmore, were both theater actors. So Edward Herman, in uh, the later years of his career, had um, taken up residence in New York and had been a staple of theater there. And it turns out, uh, Hobby discovered this for me. He found a a couple of videos out there in the late 70s, early 80s. Do you remember that there, there, and I know there's been in more recent years, many revivals, but there's an iconic play called Chorus Line.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well musical. Yes. Well, Kelly Bishop, who plays Emily Gilmore, got her start on stage in theater as a dancer. And so wow. you can find in an interview, and I wanna say that it was on um the Phil Donahue show, perhaps, where they had a performance of a chorus line, and Kelly Bishop Performs her character from that show. And it is very delicious to see her at that point in her career because it's just natural how she would eventually evolve. To become the Emily Gilmore character, there is just so much of her personality in that, in fact. (laughs) um, One of the other roles that is so iconically associated with Kelly Bishop, and you may not realize that you've seen her before. Have you ever seen the movie Dirty Dancing, Toppy, with Patrick Swayze? Yeah, I have. She played the mother of the uh the female lead Jennifer Grey's character. She was the mama who said very uh, you know, pointedly, uh, you know, you don't put baby in a Oh, she, no, she didn't say it, but you know, she was she was the the um sort of socialite mom that uh you know, took the family to that summer camp and uh, that was Gally Bishop. Huh? Wow.
1: Uh, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have placed her there, but yeah. Cool. Who is the guy, the hunky actor that played the owner of the diner? They all love to get coffee at. Oh,
0: Scott Patterson. In fact, um, he has done, uh, he has done other acting, although it's not been in, uh, you know, leading roles per se, uh, quite literally. I've read that he actually was a ball player, a baseball player, uh, who was trying out his uh, acting legs there, basically, oh, before okay. he got cast on Gilmore Girls.
1: Well, when, but way back when you and I watched um, the pilot episode together, mm-hmm. um, he was in that episode, and I thought to myself, okay, he uh, they're going to be romancing someday. Because mm-hmm. it, it was right there. <laughs> It was right there in the pilot episode. Yeah. And sure enough, I think by season five, they were dating on the show.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and that's, that was part of the charm of this, this setting. It's, you know, a quaint little sort of a bedroom community and Lorelai, uh was a, a only child of a well-to-do family so certainly it wasn't expected that she was going to fall for the uh average joe you know the guy who's running the diner in town but uh lo and behold uh it, it was uh, in the stars, stars yeah.
1: <laughs> so one of the things that I thought was amazing is how smart the writing was and how consistent The writing was, and I'm, you know, pretty sure that that's mostly due to the creator, um, uh, Amy Sherman Palladino. And one of the things she was interested in doing as far as the scripts and supervising other writers to do scripts is she wanted that bouncy dialogue that came out of screwball comedies. Uh, movies from the 30s and 40s. You know, a perfect example is Catherine Hepburn uh, in uh, Bringing Up Baby with Cary Grant. The dialogue is... Bah, 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 bah. Uh, it comes fast and it's bouncy and it's full of of wit and great lines. And I'll be damned because I saw episodes later on in the fifth season that style of writing carried through the whole doggone thing and i thought that was amazing that that screwball comedy style of writing and delivery was there every episode
0: mm-hmm. you know and uh it, it's uh oh it, it's a uh a phenomenon of its own because uh, to this day, in uh, some of the reunions that take place, due to the popularity, due to the availability of the show and and what's basically reruns, since you can now watch it from start to finish on Netflix, a whole new generation of fans have, you know, beheld the story and have grown up with it. And uh, there's... Um, you know, a a lot of influence in it. In fact, you can actually uh, search this on the web there. There is a list, um, basically a uh, a list of books that Rory Gilmore would have read going from, you know, Chilton Academy, her private school, into college. And it's all this classic literature. And uh, as someone who attended one of these cast reunions was a teacher. She said, it's a very expensive experience, but it's very powerful. <laughs> and there's such a following of this that, um, you could just imagine anything other. So there are guides to the episodes. There's guides to the fashion. Um, there are infinite fan created playlists of the music that was featured on the show. Cause aside from, some of the good instrumental pieces that they feature cuz part of the charm of being in a small town is that they had uh you know basically street performers they called him a troubadour but uh they have fan created playlists of the pop culture music that was featured on the show and um, and,
1: and actually uh the, the creator there um she was very invested in making those choices. Amy Sherman Palladino. She she was really big on making those selections of the pieces of music she wanted to go in that show, and and she she oversaw all of that music select- selection.
0: Mm, and uh, you know, one of the things that was so hysterical, Toppy. Is uh this uh, fan that was at a cast reunion mentioned that there's actually a Gilmore girls drinking game. <laughs> oh dear, what is that? <laughs> Well, one of the things that you can drink to is as you're watching an episode, because of course the, the you know, the the Gilmores there in Hartford, the well to do um, you know, matriarch there and uh that um Emily and Richard they, uh, they they like their nice things, and they, they have a nice house, but uh, Mrs. Gilmore, she she's hard to keep hired help, and uh, it's probably because she's a difficult person to work for, but uh, <laughs> the drinking game is anytime – one of the things is that uh, you could take a drink anytime you're watching an episode of Gilmore, and uh, Emily uh, criticizes the
1: maid <laughs> – yeah 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 uh that was cute those two two uh, those two characters the 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 well grandmother and grandfather um they they were unique they really they really had great scenes they were really written well and very funny and, and they carried off a lot of the a lot of great humor on that show
0: oh and you know one of the um sort of hidden gems of the series is the actress Liz Torres, who plays Miss Patty, who uh, runs the local dance school. (laughs) And her life in real life is is, as celebrated as her character. She's performed with many a stage production. And if you watch some of the cast reunions, she is just a card. They sat her purposefully i swear between some of the actors who played rory's boyfriends over the years Mm -hmm. and she just draped herself between them like she was this mannequin being carried across the stage and they were her boy toys and she just lived it up she loved making them
1: blush (laughs) Uh, okay (laughs) oh that's cool um what was I going to say? God, you starting to talk about that made me want to say something, and it's left my mind. So, continue on. Maybe it'll come back to me.
0: Oh, so um, you know, there there is a a, a hand. Well, there's many lists of favorite episodes and popular episodes. And we, we watched a handful of them, but, um, one of the episodes that stands out to me, that's not on any list that I shared is a a later episode in the series. And I want to say it's probably fifth or sixth season. Uh, it's an episode. And, and this is another thing about Gilmore girls is that their episode titles, uh were very telling. They were very ironic, and they set the tone. And-
1: but it was also one of those shows where they never showed you the episode title. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the scripts had a title, mm-hmm. but the show, the show's episode never did. Right. So you weren't aware of them Until, you know, when you were watching.
0: Yeah, it, it, if you watched it in its initial run, you would never have seen the episode title but now that they've put it all onto streaming, uh, yeah. When you go, to, you... yeah. When you go to pause it, it will say, you know, episode number such and such, and the yeah. title. Now this yeah. episode is called "Driving Miss Gilmore," and <laughs> uh, the ironically, um, Emily has decided to get LAS- uh, LASIK surgery, so you know uh, her her eyes fixed, mm. and uh, she has an experience that ends up with. Lorelai begrudgingly having to drive her mother around on errands and her mother has rented a car befitting of a music label mogul. And uh, you know it's it's one of those like Cadillac SUVs, and I swear it would have the the uh, the wheel hubs that spin and blow bubbles if it was Willy Wonka. Ah. Uh, but she's having to drive her mother around in this vehicle that, as she described, it was a tank. And one of the errands that her mother had her running on ended up going to a real estate office which was not out of character for Emily because she was a well-to-do lady and sometimes she looked in on investments for her friends or for herself. Well, at this juncture of the series in the fifth, or I want to say it was almost sixth season, I think it was the fifth season finale, it was well established that Luke and Lorelai were an item. In fact, spoiler alert, um, because this is a show with strong feminist overtones, Uh, At one point in the series, after Lorelai and Luke have dated for a while, Lorelai has decided that she has grown impatient and she doesn't want to just date anymore. And she actually blurts it out and she proposes to Luke. And it's, it's one of those wonderful moments, but uh, a long story, not so short on this errand that Lorelai goes on with Emily. She's at this real estate office. And they have these easels set up with pictures of a house that her mother is looking at. And Lorelai is wondering why her mother is so keen to know what her opinion is of this house. And the conversation ends with the sweetest, most wonderful and caring moment that Emily Gilmore the woman who turned her child away because she got pregnant, and at sixteen, and it didn't un- had undone everything that she had built for her. When she says to her, "I'm buying this house for you and Luke. It's your wedding present." So mm-hmm. that that mother had taken all of her skills as someone who knows how to shop for mm-hmm. property and has decided on the perfect house for her daughter. And she even says to her, she says, I know that this house is technically not in Stars Hollow, but if you talk to, I think, I th- the town clerk, one Taylor Dosey, which is one of the main characters of the townspeople, he runs ah. the grocery store. She goes, if you talk to a man named Taylor Dosey, I hear you could pay him to have the property line moved so you can have a Stars Hollow address. <laughs> But it's in that moment that you realize that while Emily comes off as stuck up most of the time, she's always only ever wanted the best for her daughter, and she eventually grows to accept the fact that Luke is the best thing that ever happened to her. And it's one Mm -hmm. of those moments that makes you tear up, and it was a season finale, and you wondered how long is it going to be till the next episode? So if you caught it in its initial run, that would have been your summer hangover and you would have been crying yourself (laughs) into Saturday morning, possibly um, wondering where um, your Gilmore
1: sized guilt breakfast was. (laughs) Yeah. Well, listen, speaking of crying, you know, in this, in the episode I watched season three, episode 22 and it's where Rory graduates um, and she makes a valedict- valedictorian speech where she praises her mother's efforts. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I've seen all of three episodes, and the writing is so good, so funny, so on point, that even just in three episodes where she's making this speech, I, I was f- freaking tearing up. Uh, it was that moving. Uh, So this is Damn Good Writing, and uh, I totally recommend the show. I totally want to see more of it. Such a smart show and, and well
0: worth your time to watch. Oh, I I totally agree. And, you know, one of the reasons why I enjoy this show so much is because it appeals to me on so many levels. I grew up in a small town. And, yes, I may have been the youngest of several children, but because of the age difference, by the time I was in middle school, my siblings had all finished school, graduated, and left home. So it felt sort of like I was an only child at times. And so I was sort of jealous of this world of the girl who got to have a mother who was her best friend. I envied the relationship that Rory had with her mother because while my parents were well-meaning and good-intentioned and did everything they could to provide for better lives than they had... There were times where life was difficult just simply because the generation gap, you know, when they were growing up, this was not something that you talked about outside of, you know, proper company. You you don't talk about this at the dinner table. And we certainly don't watch television program where, you know, people were going beyond second base. That's what the after school specials were all about. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, Gilmore Girls is something that I discovered through a college-aged roommate in Colorado before I left who was raised by a single parent. And it just sort of put things into perspective because of all those elements. Plus, my sister at the time was a single mother, a recent divorcee who was raising her teen daughters on their own, on her own. And Gilmore Girls was one of their guilty pleasures. My nieces at that age were often with their noses in a book. And that's not something that happens a lot these days. We would go shopping and on the way home in the car, my sister had raised these young women to be more entranced by the books that they had just picked up than, you know, talking to their friends on the phone or playing a video game. So, uh, that, that was all the charm of Gilmore girls to me was the book, smart, small town and taking the time out to talk to people, you know, you're walking Mm -hmm. through the town square. Hi, how are you doing? Not a, leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so yeah. Gilmore girls definitely look for it. And, um, Things of its ilk. In fact, I would say if you have access to Amazon Prime or Prime Video, as it's sometimes called, Amy Sherman Palladino made a series that starred uh, the uh, actor who played Adrian Monk, Tony Shalhoub. And uh, he was the father in this series called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Set, oh, okay set in the early 60s it uh is a um, new york city house jewish housewife uh who's going through a divorce and raising her children but she's also a stand-up comic it's the the main character mrs mazel but it was made by amy sherman paladino and it also features the talent of one alex borstein who i mentioned is the voice of lois griffin and was actually Suki St. James in the unaired pilot. She uh, was uh, a star on Mad TV and was married to the actor who played Jackson, who, of course, uh, as some of you may know, was Suki's husband on the mm. series there. So,
2: all right, cool.
1: Well, we've enjoyed Gilmore Girls. DJ, if uh, you have something else to recommend that. Gilmore Girls inspired or something? What, uh, something like Gilmore Girls? What, uh, would, what would you advise the listeners to, to tune into? Righty, this is our snack
0: tray. What we've got left over things that are like Gilmore Girls that you might enjoy. So I'm going to recommend a show from a similar time frame of Gilmore Girls. It came out in 2002, so a couple of seasons in. Also was featured on the WB. And uh, it starred Mr. Treat Williams as the lead in the series. It's called Everwood. It's about a widowed brain surgeon from Manhattan who moved his two children to the small town of Everwood, Colorado. So uh, check out Everwood. It ran for about four seasons It was kind of a a male version of Gilmore Girls, if you will, set in Colorado, and I believe you can currently watch that on HBO Max.
1: Was it also an hour-long comedy drama, or was it a, what was it? Oh, It was another hour-long series, yes, sir. Okay, so uh, when I saw Gilmore Girls, it made me think a lot about a 1990s movie called Mermaids, It's about, it's another mother-daughter relationship. It's a wacky mother who's kind of childish with her lifestyle, but she's living with her daughter who is wiser beyond her years. Uh, A rift occurs between the two of them, and they have to attempt to navigate their lives uh, with love and learning to accept each other for who they are. And at the end, they kind of finally realize that they're more alike than they think. That's Mermaids from 1990. Starring Cher and Winona Ryder. That's my recommendation. If you like Gilmore Girls, you'll probably like Mermaids. Mm, and just an aside, uh, choppy, uh, Mermaids
0: also has a very important up-and-coming actor on the cast there. Miss Christina Ricci was also in Mermaids. Ah, okay. Cool. Yeah. Alrighty. So here we are out at the lobby. And of course, the marionette is a place of many a splendored thing. Uh, we had vaudeville and magic acts pass through these doors. One of the uh, acts even left a bag of coins behind. Toppy reached up there on that shelf so he could figure out what's coming up next.
1: Ah, yeah, the, uh, here's the coins. They're magic, here you go. Okay, gonna put that in the machine.
0: All right, give me that capsule. Okay. You going to open that for me?
1: Yeah. All <laughs> okay. right. Next time, I'd met Name Anusha, folks. That'll be Friday, February 3rd at 9 p.m. Eastern, as always. What we got for you is a mid-decade action-adventured sci-fi film featuring the former raven-haired star of that 70s show and that handsome and photogenic lead of Magic Mike. It's a movie about a young woman who discovers her destiny as an heiress of intergalactic nobility and must fight to protect the inhabitants of Earth from an ancient and destructive industry. Next time on Fatin' Minutia, it's Jupiter Ascending, Starring Myla Kunis and Channing Tatum. Woo! All right.
0: All right. So before we uh, duck out and uh, catch our Ubers, because, you know, it's getting icy out there. Uh, let us know, peek over the balcony and uh, tell us who is in the chat room this evening.
1: <clears throat> All right. Yeah, folks, if you didn't know, if you're listening to the podcast version, why we do this live and we actually have a something of a, like a studio audience, only a, it's not a studio, it's a, it, it's a chat Anyways, you have to be there. So we would like to thank the following for showing up live while we do this. It's always nice when people are here. With us this time, we had Billy Starsage, we had the ever-mysterious Crone, we had a Janet, and we had Lamont Cranston from New York City, and we had Matt Burlingame of Chugs Gone Wild and the Big Gay Sex Show. We also had our pal, Dumbass Rounds. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Alrighty. righty. So, Toppy, if you will,
0: uh, say goodnight in the ways of the old days of radio. Goodnight, old days
1: of radio. No. Uh-huh. Goodnight. Good night, Gracie. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live on the first and third Friday of the month. Go to univospods.net. Click the tower
0: for audio. Enter Discord for chat.
1: You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Visit our webpage at matineminutia.com. Tweet us on Twitter, at Matinee Minutia. Find our group on Facebook. Have an idea for a show? Or why not let us know how we're doing? Email
0: us at minutia at gmail.com. I
1: have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a
0: voice.
2: Unique voices in podcasting.
0: Univospods.net.